right, hey, this is Michael from Dark Tranquility. You're listening to Thunder Underground. Welcome to episode 303 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here as always. This week we've got a fun one because we've got Michael from Dark Tranquility joining us. Very cool. It's a band that we've both been following for at least 20 years, I would say. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool get there. Yeah. I believe it's our first member of a melodic death metal band, and fitting that it is the band that pioneered the genre. Right. I don't think you'd have it if it wasn't for them. Right. So really cool talk with him coming up about their new album and some other stuff. We're also going to play some music. First, got to let you know who we're sponsored by. DEB Concerts, promoter based in Tulsa that has brought a lot of killer acts to the downtown Tulsa area at the BOK Center and the IDL Ballroom. They also booked the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma. The show on December 12th with Lita Ford was recently canceled, but if you like Lita Ford, no worries because April 10th, downtown Tulsa, outdoors in front of the IDL Ballroom, Queensryche will be performing with Lita Ford, Nita Strauss, and the Bullet Boys. Very cool lineup there. You can get all your ticket info, debconcerts.com. Follow them on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as well. We, of course, will keep you up to date on any other new additions to their calendar or any other reschedules as well. So keep it here and follow DEB Concerts. Hell Hot Hot Sauce is a hot sauce company located out of the San Francisco Bay Area. They make small batch artisan hot sauces. You can check out their entire product line at their website, which is hellahothotsauce.com. You can also follow them on their socials. Both Instagram and Facebook are at Hella Hot Hot Sauce. They do a lot of collaborations. They've got a couple with some metal artists like Ghoul has a sauce called Brain Jerk. And Florida Frank from Hatebreed has a sauce called Florida Frank's Florida Heat. We've got a lot of that and it's excellent stuff, but it'll it'll burn your insides pretty good. So if you're interested in hot sauce, Get on hellhothotsauce.com and check out what they've got. If you're on the West Coast, you can find them in a lot of stores out there as well. Get on there and tell them we sent you. Sunset Tattoo. It's a tattoo shop in Midtown Tulsa. Their tattoos are done good and proper. They're state licensed. They are mother approved. Jake and his crew have over 25 years of experience. They do excellent work. You can see photo proof of all that work on their Facebook, which is Sunset Tattoo Tulsa. Their Instagram is also at Sunset Tattoo Tulsa. You give them a call or shoot them a message. You can set up a time to get over there, talk about what work you want to have done. If you contact them, check them out, tell them Thunder Underground sent you. And finally, Med Farm is a dispensary in Broken Air, Oklahoma, 24683 East Highway 51, right off the highway. Can't miss them. Huge selection, and you can check it all out at leafly.com. They've got a drive through If you call ahead or text ahead, they'll have your order ready while we show up. So that's very convenient. They also give 30% of their proceeds to build no-kill animal shelters, which is a pretty badass cause that we're very happy to talk about here. If you also mention Thunder Underground, they give you 10% off your first order. They're always running other specials as well, so if you follow them on their socials, 
MedFarm is P-H-A-R-M on Facebook and MedFarm OK on Instagram. You won't miss any of that stuff. And a huge thank you to MedFarm. All right, before we jump into some other talk, let's play some music. We've got a brand new song that just debuted about, I think it's about a week or two ago, from a band, a newer band. We'll talk about it when we get back here, but this is Against the Grave, and the song is Bleeding You. Against the grave. Man, what's the right word? Is that it? Would that be what Jamie Josta calls a banger? Yes, it would be. Uh, <laughs> or what you would, what was that you used to always say a lot of a balls? Ball squasher. Squasher. Yeah. Oh, that's definitely, <laughs> this, there's definitely some balls being squashed. Right. And, um, it's, it's great. That song is, uh, it, it's kind of like one of those things where it, it's like tailor made for us. Right. Um, that's just kind of right in our wheelhouse. You know, it's, it's got that, you know, it's heavy and it's brutal, but it's also kind of got a, you know, a swagger to it that, you know, what are the bands we all love? And this has got it. Yeah. You know, and, and from a certain period and era, and 
it just it makes you feel good and warm all over <laughs> and inside. Right. Just like my peppermint bark coffee. <laughs> right. Well, there you go. Against the grave, you put that in your press kit because probably no one else has ever compared you to peppermint bark coffee. It's a good thing, though. It's a good thing. <laughs> right. It's perfect for this, uh, you know, it's a brisk December morning. That's right. Uh, with, you know, peppermint bark coffee and against the grave. You're right. <laughs> groove metal. It's like if you had groove metal, someone like Pantera or something, it made them a little more melodic. Right. You know, so I would assume a Dark Tranquility fan, even if they're not into groove metal, could appreciate the melodic yeah, aspect mean, of this, this track. Don't skip this song. Yeah. And on top of that... This features Jordan Gaw, the vocalist from the band Final Drive, who I know we were we were fans of and got the chance to check him out a couple times. Yeah, uh, the one time I wore my Tismani shirt, and he came up to me just cold, uh, you know, and said, "Hey, I'm Jordan, and how do you know about this band? Because I know this band." And I'm like, right. well, "I'm a fucking nerd," <laughs> and I look I look up shit, and especially if shit has a cassette, right. And they had a cassette with a shirt for fat guys. <laughs> so I, I was all over it, and I explained all that to him. Right. And that was really cool. Well, I remember um, how you found out about it. Oh, yes. No, you're right. There you go. Um, no Legacy. No Legacy. That's right. The That compilation. And I dug that, and there you go. From Eric Kluber of Void yes. Vader and Gypsy Hawk and a ton of other great stuff. Iron Hot. I, who's been on this podcast a couple times. I'm thankful for your great memory. Yeah. <laughs> I've killed too many brain cells in my lifetime, yeah. and you picked up that slack. Well, and to bring it all back around, at this very moment, you're wearing a Final yeah, Drive Yeah, and that was what's fucked up, too. I Final just, Drive trucker hat. I just grabbed the hat on the way out of the house, and look at look at what's happening today. <laughs> I'm like, hey, guess what? We're going to play a song from the singer of that band. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so anyway... Look up Against the Grave on Facebook and give them a follow. They're also on Bandcamp. They've got some great merch on there. Buy this single. They had their debut single came out in 2019. Check that out as well. And hopefully we'll see more music from these guys in 2021. Whether it just be more singles or we get a get an album out of them. Right. Maybe maybe 2021's due time to have Jordan go on this podcast. I, I would hope. Yeah. So there you go. We'll look into that. But speaking of... People on this podcast, we just recorded an interview with Austin Moe, a brand new, I say brand new, but brand new to us, artist out of California, blues rock guy, he's actually produced by Frank Hannon, he's got a great song out called The River, so check that out, we'll be talking, we already talked to him, but that interview will be coming soon, we've also got ones with Wayne from Hate Breed, Reb Beach from Winger, and White Snake, Christian Mikado from formerly of Il Nino, Matthew Nelson of Nelson, Frederick Lecklerk of Creator and formerly Dragon Force. So, as you can tell, we kind of span the, the gamut there on styles, so look forward to all those. We didn't really talk about it beforehand, but before we get into this Dark Tranquility stuff, did we have anything else to talk about? Is there any yeah. happenings this week in the music world? Well, I, I know that you're super excited for the new Greta Van Fleet song. That's right. That dropped. I so, did. I did hear it by accident. Right. Whenever I had on my Spotify release radar okay. or something. Okay. What do you think? It was one of those ones where I didn't. I. It was just playing. You were like, "Wait, what?" Yeah. Huh? And about halfway through, I'm like, "It was just in the background," so I wasn't like loving it or hating it. Halfway through, I'm like, 
This has got to be Greta Van Fleet because right. this sounds like fucking Led Zeppelin. <laughs> exactly. And I don't know this song. And right. Sure enough, and it, it's just like every other Greta Van Fleet song. It's not bad, but it just kind of bugs me. So, well, you know, it's like uh, I, maybe I'm weird. You know, I, I I've I've drank the Kool Aid, so to speak, on Greta Van Fleet. I have no, I'm not ashamed of that. I don't think it's bad. No, uh, I mean, I like a lot of stuff. That yeah, and, and piss and people off, so it doesn't matter because you know a lot of their stuff is catchy and a lot of stuff they got good riffs. And yeah, I'm almost to the point where I can tell a difference. It's weird. Stay with me here. <laughs> I can tell a difference between his voice and Robert Plant's voice. Oh, you definitely can. It's his just way more shrill. Yeah. But you know, this song does not help the uh, the. Excuse me, I was about to say Led Zeppelin and Stereotype at the same time, and it came out as a lair. I don't know because <laughs> I'm talking about Primus as a guitar player, but hell yeah, um, it, it it doesn't help the the Led Zeppelin comparisons. Um, that's still there when you hear this song. Uh, in spades, um, you know, I thought the the other song that came out earlier, uh, "My Way Soon" or whatever it's called, I thought that was more of a straying away from the Led Zeppelin because that just was more of kind of just your late '60s retro vibe. It yeah, was more of a it, instead of a Led Zeppelin vibe. But on this song, I can't remember what it's called. My apologies, because <laughs> we didn't. This is just. We Off didn't know cuff. we were going to talk about Greta yeah. Van Fleet, so whatever. It's just way more like, oh, here's our cashmere. Right. And it's like, okay, God. <laughs> you know. But but I, I have to say that with I still I still really like that band, and I thought they were great live, so I don't care, you know. And if you do, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you like this song better? Speaking of cashmere, did you like this song better than P. Diddy's rendition of cashmere back at the end of the 90s? Abso-motherfucking-lutely. Okay. Um, <laughs> From the Godzilla I, soundtrack. I would rather listen, I, I'd rather listen to Sex and Candy by Marcy Playground than uh -huh. that fucking block of shit. That's a big statement. Well, that's one of the worst songs ever, and I'd I still listen to that more than uh, P. Diddy's Cashmere. What about Hey There, Delilah? I would listen to that over P. Diddy's Cashmere. Okay. And then question my life, but I'd still do it. <laughs> what about... Um, I got one for you. Pulling this one out of my ass. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm not because I can't remember the damn title of the song. I can just hear it in my head. The Primitive Radio God song. Oh, man. That was <laughs> that was rough, dude. But yes, I would still listen to that over P. Diddy's version of Cashmere. Okay. Yeah, uh, final one for you. Breakfast at Tiffany's. I see your... Huh? Breakfast at Tiffany's by Deep Blue Something. I always liked that song. Uh, Fuck you. Dude, it that's was a catchy song. That's worse than Sex and Candy. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not, actually. Because they're actually, whether you like it or not, they're putting, like, energy into it. Okay? <laughs> and you cannot argue that. Energy doesn't always Sex mean something. Sex and Candy I mean, was just this Ivan Moody has energy. fart of a... Well, yeah, I'd, I'd rather listen to fucking... Uh, well, see, that's the thing. I'd listen to any five-finger death punch before I'd listen to Marthy, Marcy Playground. Marthy. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Mike Tyson just showed up. What the fuck? Uh, Fun fact, I did have a lisp as a child. Okay, it's coming back now. Fuck you. Yeah, okay. 35 first, years later. First of all. <laughs> and second, uh, my parents put me through a speech unit at school, in elementary school, and I got rid of it. Okay. But it just came back for a minute. I don't know what I don't know what the fuck. What were we even talking about? Hey, Zamani. tranquility. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. That's a, a good transition that... It isn't really a transition, but right, just, boom, right. here we it are. It just happened. <laughs> so, yeah, 
I remember the first time I heard Dark... Well, I don't remember the specific moment, but I heard Dark Tranquility because you gave me a... I shouldn't say this out loud. It might piss them off. But you gave me a burned CD back around the turn of the century. I see. I like saying that because it makes yeah. me feel like we're turn of the century. But All right, let's go to the speakeasy. <laughs> right? Around that, whenever it was. I would say late 90s, around 2000. Yeah, you gave me a... Now I'm... Now I'm drawing a blank on which album it would have been. It was Monochromatic Stains. Okay, yeah. Uh, forgive me, I don't know the exact year. I want to say it was more early 2000s. Okay, maybe 2001. Possibly 2003. I oh, don't that, know. Oh, okay. Um, but that's when, I, and I cannot remember how they came on my radar, but they did. I think that was just when I was really into In Flames and soil work and discovering all that. Yeah. So I just looked for any of that shit. So this is, that's that's when they came on my radar. Yeah. Yeah, and it was really cool because it's a, it was a unique sound, obviously, because at that point we didn't really know what melodic death metal was. Mm-mm. I mean, I'm sure I'd seen the name written somewhere on the internet or in a magazine, but to hear it and really love it, and then to see here we are in the year 2020, and Dark Tranquility is still putting out albums that are excellent. If you haven't heard Moment, do it. I mean, this is oh yeah, it's a great record. Yeah, this is definitely one of those. Year in list type metal albums. It's fantastic from beginning to end. And when we recorded this interview, this was actually a, probably about a week before the album came out, a week or two. So this was recorded about a month ago. And the album just came out about two or three weeks ago. So that's why we're talking about the album coming, just to point that out. But anyway, should we just jump into it? Here we go. Here's Michael from Dark Tranquility. Guys already got a couple singles out. Was this was everything recorded prior to the pandemic, or is this stuff you've been working on this year as well? We yeah, we recorded during. I would say we started in um, what was it March um, uh, to record properly, and then all through June. So yeah, um, it was weird. Like uh, being in a in the studio is. It's kind of self isolation, right? We just, it's a, for me, it's a 15 minute walk. So I'm spending all my time here preparing, writing, um, recording um, demos, and then walk to the studio and, yeah, spend hours and hours and weeks and months there. So when this hit, it's like all of a sudden, like, okay, now the rest of the world is in isolation too. Like, that kind of felt comforting in a weird way. But, yeah, so yeah, we uh, we did the, all, the whole album, and then because of of it, of course, we we felt like well, maybe we don't need to um, hurry, you know, because there won't be any summer festivals to have the album in out in time for, or there won't be a U.S. tour, you know, uh, right after summer as we had planned. So we might as well stay in the studio a bit longer and and finish the album properly, and you know, make sure everything is right there and that's what we did so it was but it was weird it i think it really affected us more than 
maybe we uh, fully realize. Um, and um, and it was it was just tough. It was weird walking through empty streets on the way to the studio, that kind of thing. It, I think it really really affected us. And uh, but yeah, music and everything else was written uh, last year and really really like early this year. I mean, was the studio open and everything? Like, did or did you have to wait for that, or was it somewhat like studio you guys always use and you knew? It's a studio, or, yeah. It's a okay. studio we always used, and it's uh, it's owned by a Martin Brandstrom, our keyboard player. So uh, yes, we oh, okay. spent a year and a half there, you know, writing and um, demoing stuff and just preparing everything. So that was easy. So that, that was the best thing about it, just and, and being able to be here for as long as we want, um, work endless hours if we need to. Um, so having that luxury and that comfort, uh, really helped. Right. Well, outside of the, you know, the weirdness of the situation, like, did it make it feel any more relaxed to not be on any kind of deadline? Oh yeah, for sure. Like that's always the worst. Like you, you're like cramming it like in the last, you know, possible hours, last couple of days, you're just like, oh, we need to get this done. You know, it, no matter how, how prepared you are, it doesn't matter. But here we could just like, okay, we have a deadline. We work towards that. And then that it got extended and we're like, all right, cool. We could relax a little bit and maybe redo some things, um, do some, some things differently. And it just, yeah, it afforded us so much more. Um, yeah, we it was way more relaxed than any of our previous albums, I would say, in that respect. So that really, really helped. This is also the the first album featuring Christopher Amott and Johan. Like, what did they what have they brought to the band touring over the last few years, and especially to this album? Yeah, as you said, yeah, they yeah, it's been been touring together for for three years. Uh, so when it was time to you know kind of quit the touring and and get back to work was. Uh, it was weird at first, like realizing, okay, we've been doing it the same way, you know, for 20 plus years, you know, the writing and, and everything like that. And it's, uh, mostly like, and nowadays it's mostly like Anders, our drummer who starts out writing, um, songs and then Martin kind of joins and does a few. And then at least we have something to kind of get started. Um, and now, you know, working with someone else, it, we were kind of not hesitant, but we were kind of, um, you know, we were cautious about it. You know, uh, we we want all that outside influence, but we don't want to stray too far away from what we kind of built up over all these years. You know, want to keep it very much dark tranquility, but, you know, with the added bonus of two incredible guitar players. So that was a, a challenge and, and uh, to find that balance, you know, between our sound and, you know, theirs. Uh, but eventually like after a few tries after a few uh, um you know uh, songs that went kind of back and forth it turned out to be uh, an amazing experience of working together and and figuring out how to kind of solve problems and, and how to place the things and kind of make the most out of everything and and of course their lead work and solo work is just like incredible and i think that really kind of um for for me, kind of put the album in a, on a different level than what we've done before, and uh, I was just yeah incredible. And they they are fucking spectacular in every sense yeah. of the world. Do you think it was a pretty easy process as far as them keeping like their style of play and still making it sound like Dark Tranquility? There were a few uh, moments, you know, where you're sitting there and then we start kind of to to uh, work on solos to where you have to go like, yeah, 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 maybe we uh, <laughs> we take it down a little bit. Like, <laughs> it's too spicy, too many notes, as uh, Salieri would say. It was just, yeah, I mean, 
if if they are left unchecked, they would kind of shred all over the place, which is would be awesome, but maybe not for dark chocolatey. So <laughs> it was uh, just a matter of like finding that, um, you know, like yeah, do what's best for the song, do what's best for for the band, you know, and and the whole thing. And and I, I mean, they're incredibly kind of emotional and melodic guitar players just that they really like to play super fast as well. So uh, as long as like you kind of find that mix between the two, then then we're you know, we're golden. So uh so eventually that happens, but it it was <laughs> but it was a lot of fun and, and really cool to see and especially when you come up with an idea like me who never play guitar and I just go like, "Oh, maybe you can play something like that." And they go like, "Yeah, sure." And it sounds beyond fucking fantastic. So it was <laughs> uh it was awesome. Super cool. Well, you mentioned the solos and everything. Did they have any involvement like in the actual writing process of the songs or was that, did you guys still kind of handle that the way you always have? No, Johan uh, was very much involved. Like he was, Johan, uh, Chris lived in New York at the time and, and Johan is um, yeah, like two hours away. So he, he was very much involved in just like getting it right, like making sure that it's, you know, sounds the way that it, it or even that it it's easy to play and that it feels good so he was kind of like the the guitar um thing that we person that we bounced ideas off of and then uh, then he wrote uh, three songs on the album and uh, so uh, yeah definitely like he really found his place and uh, he's just like he can do anything <laughs> so uh, so he just uh, really adapted really quick and and realized like okay this is how we're doing it and 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 then we started so some of the songs that he wrote was very different at first and then you know then martin brinstrom who kind of produced everything um uh, changed it and you know fixed it and uh, altered things and eventually it sounded very much like dr quality so that was really cool and, and and a super cool way to for us to work well you mentioned not being able to tour and like in this day and age where you know album sales are like not what they used to be it's harder to make money that way and now without mm -hmm. touring like how do you guys plan to kind of navigate this period or, or how have you been navigating it and also promoting this album once it comes out next month? Yeah, I mean, so far it's been not normal, but at least, you know, you're focused on like, yeah, talking like to people like you and and, and just promoting it the, the normal way, you know. But come next month, I mean, that's when you, we're supposed to get out there and tour and show ourselves and, and you know, meet people and, and do all that stuff, you know. Um, so, so far it's been good and I haven't really thought about it because it's been super busy. Uh, but I kind of expect like the, you know, the, the fucking darkness to arrive, you know, once the album's out and it's like, and you realize there's nothing <laughs> after that. Um, I do not look forward to that, but yeah, so yeah, we're just gonna, um, for now, just keep busy. We're going to do a live stream concert, uh, the day after the album comes out. So on the 21st of November. So we're planning that right now to make sure that it's super cool and we're going to treat it as the first show of the moment tour, you know, full production, full crew, full everything and just make sure that it's as cool as the first show would be. And uh, then we have no idea when the second show of that tour will be, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. the hard part. But but uh, so we're going to, yeah, we're going to focus on that now and then, then we'll see. I mean, things are a little bit different here in Sweden. Um, they opened up for having like 300 people if they're seated. Um, I don't know if that's even like five, uh, an option for us, you know, but at least you can actually do shows. 
other than that, I, I, I honestly don't know. Like we, we are talking with a lot of uh, bookers and promoters and nobody knows. So it's just, um, yeah, wait and be frustrated and, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and try to cook up with it. You know, I, I try to keep busy. I have, have a lot of other projects and stuff, um, going. So it's, it's, it, that's, that's part is fine, but you want to keep the band going. You want to, yeah, make some money <laughs> would be nice too. That kind of thing. So hopefully like a stream will at least keep us afloat for a while and pay our, um, you know, our crew and, you know, pay some salaries. That would be great. And, uh, and then, then we'll see after that. We honestly really don't know. What do you, you guys don't plan to have like the 300, at least 300 people there at the live stream, do you? Or is that going to be just, just the band? No, no, and it won't be even started yet. Right. At then that oh, point. Okay. it's, 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 it's a, like a later thing that's going to come around Christmas or something like that. I think here. Okay. Um, gotcha. Um, now it's only 50 and that, I don't know, doesn't make sense. Right. It's weird. Uh, yeah. Even even weirder, like playing in front of no one or fifty. I don't I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't know, but I guess with fifty, at least have a little bit of crowd interaction to go off of. Because I've talked to yeah. some people during this that said they did live streams, and at first it just kind of felt like a rehearsal until they kind of got into the the mode of you know playing. But... Yeah, yeah. I've seen a few like where you can have like you know tables where people sit and actually get served at their table, and then maybe it works and. I don't know. Yeah, it would be good to like have some kind of interaction, like someone to look at while you're playing instead of the <laughs> other guys in the band. But, um, but we have plans to just have like a full-on production with you know full of smoke and lights and all that stuff. So maybe I won't see anyone anyway, and I can just uh, imagine in my head that there is a huge crowd out there somewhere. Right. <laughs> I mean, obviously, with recording an album, you've kind of still been singing, but without doing live shows. Like, how do you kind of keep your voice? during a period like this would, you know, keep it fresh and everything. Oh, I, I practice a lot and then, uh, yeah. And actually record a lot of stuff as well. Like you do demos for, for other projects and other bands and, um, you know, stuff like that. And also we, yeah, we're rehearsing now for, for the stream. So, um, so that, so that's fine. Like I, I, I'll, I keep in shape, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it's good. And I kind of like it. And also it's, it's fun to just like sit at home and just record stuff and, uh, maybe write, record different version of old songs or whatever. Just do something, you know, get it out, get out of your system. Right. I do need to scream, you know, once in a while, this world is pretty screwed up right now. And I just like need to vent right. the frustration out. <laughs> do you have any kind of warm up process that you do before? recording or going live yeah i do like it it's just like part of a like to to calm down and to to uh, to kind of relieve some stress but it's yeah it's but it's a warm-up technique that I've, I've been doing for years and years um that you know takes like a half an hour to two hours sometimes depending on how you feel but it really 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 helps like uh when i discovered that and when i learned like some of the, those techniques it really changed everything for me um there were a few years where i i was just destroyed every tour like i i was just i was screaming too much and and yeah I, my body couldn't keep up and but now it's, it's super fine like i i never have a problem with this as long as i do that and and that's just like it also kind of calms you down and kind of makes you less nervous about the show like if you if you know that everything's going to work and you feel okay and like the voice is, is working then you can kind of relax and, and focus on it instead of being super nervous all day which i used to be so yeah that those things are important. A friend of our podcast named Luke Nagel wanted me to ask you, right. bes besides metal bands, of course, like what's your biggest influence when it comes to pop music? Because I've always 
felt like there's been a big Depeche Mode influence. Oh yeah, for sure. Like that's what I grew up on. Um, there was uh, the, the, the um, in Sweden, like in the mid eighties, you know, when, when I was like 12, um, it was, you're in school, you're either into metal or you're into like synth. That was it. Like, and you, you're either one or the other, that, that was the thing. And, and if you're into metal and you see a guy that is into synth, it's a fight, you know, <laughs> it was, it was that kind of deal. And, uh, so all the cool guys were carrying around, you know, their cassette decks and their, you know, uh, <laughs> what do you call them? Like ghetto blasters, whatever, tape, tape, uh, recorders, that kind of thing, listening to our maiden and some, the synth guys were listening to, um, Duff and, uh, Kraftwerk and, um, Depeche Mode and stuff like that. And I was kind of in between, I loved maiden and I loved Depeche and, uh, I don't know, there was something about like that, um, you know, the, the, the odd, um, kind of nature of synth and the, the kind of like super underground synth that I, that, that some of my friends were into that I really, really gravitated towards and I loved. Uh, but then of course metal was also fucking fantastic. So it was weird to be a part of both there for a while. Um, but it's always, yeah, something that stuck with me and a lot of like the eighties bands I really, really love. And, um, and that, that I guess, you know, something that you really love when you're like from 12 to 17 or 20 or something like that. It's that just becomes your thing, right? you like, it's those formative years like mean so much, like more than you are willing to admit, I guess that kind of really forms who you are and what you like and what you're into, you know? And, and, um, yeah, and that, that kind of music and of course, super extreme metal at the same time was, was it for me, you know, that's how it started. Or where do, you, where do you draw influence from these days when it comes to writing your own music? Ooh, it could be anything, like anything that I, I find kind of emotional or something that, you know, catches me like or that uh, makes me feel something. You know, there's so much metal that it's just cool and awesome and sounding great, but uh, it doesn't really kind of at the end of the day, it doesn't make you feel anything. And um, as long as it's that, then I, then I, that's what I love to listen to. And for inspiration, I kind of look like look look towards bands that are just different, like doing something that I wouldn't do, you know, or something that that is very different from our style. Because then I can enjoy it and kind of take some inspiration from it. Whereas um, sometimes when you listen to yeah, just regular like death metal bands, you go like. I'm, I'm normally I'm so much into this kind of writing mode, you know, where I, I deconstruct everything that I listen to and kind of pick everything apart. And it's like, oh, yeah, man, maybe they should have done this or that. And I just I don't like the production of the guitars or the vocals, whatever. And I don't want to do that. You know, It makes it impossible to really enjoy stuff. So it's better to listen to something that is so far away from from what we do uh, in order to find kind of influence and um, just inspiration, basically. Yeah. Well, something I've, we've had, a you know, throughout the years that we've had this podcast, we've had on a few mm -hmm. bands from Sweden and I've always right. asked them the same question, which I've got generally the same answer, but it's like, you know, throughout my life, anytime I've ever heard any band from Sweden, no matter what the genre, it's like, it's always great. Like there's, there's no like, ah, that band's okay. <laughs> but it's like, so what do you think attributes that to like such a plethora of great music all across genres coming out of Sweden? I, it's a good question, and I, I've been asked similar ones before, and yeah, I, I don't know if I have a good answer, but I, I, I do agree with you, because many of my favorite bands are from around here. Um, 
and the overall quality is always fantastic. I think I was talking to like a, at a radio station yesterday, trying to explain like what, what it is about Gothenburg in particular. And, and the way I see it is that like all the bands from here are extremely or very like honest and kind of forthright and kind of open about what they do. It's not, you know, like, ah, oh, we kind of suck, but if we put on an act or if we try something different or we try to kind of act cool, it's just, no, this is it. This is who we are. This is very kind of raw and honest and kind of, um, um, it's like, I don't know, like there's, it's sympathetic in a way where the bands are not trying to be anything. They're just like, this is what they love to do and they do it super well, you know? Um, and I, I really like that. Like all my friends are, who are in bands are like super laid back and just like, we don't take anything for granted. It's not about, you know, becoming something you're not. It's just a matter of like writing great music, having a good time. That's it. You know, like expressing something, being honest about it and, and being real about it. And I think that that is something, um, maybe unique to Scandinavia just because that's the way we are. Um, and also in the music scene, I think the kind of the bar was set really high even back in the 80s, you know, with, with some of the cool bands and some of the rock bands and metal bands and everything like that that came out. And it's like, okay, so you, you ha at least you have to be as good as that or better, you know. And I think that, that was, that's always been kind of this, the case where everyone, it's not, it's not like you want to top anyone or be better or cooler or anything. You just want to be as good. And that, be, and because of that, the bar is always raised a little bit. And, um, and I don't know, like for, for me, it's, 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 um, kind of honesty in the music that I, I think that is what I like the most about the Swedish bands. Well, yeah. The, is that is that what everybody said, or I kind of along those lines? But a, a lot of people would say that since music's such a focus in school early on, and like here, yeah. you know, like in America, it's more you just got to choose to go into music. Where in Sweden, it's just kind yeah. of part of everybody's lifestyle from an early age. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like that for us, but it's definitely like more the case now where you, yeah, you get a decent kind of like a quick music education in school. And then there are, you know, rehearsal rooms There are, you know, uh, places where you can go and play. You can get like you can get some funding from the state to actually kind of rent a room where you could practice and, uh, you know, borrow instruments and all that stuff. So it, there's definitely like a, um, a easy kind of starting point like the the threshold is not that high it's just uh it's easy to get into if you want to for sure and that of course that helps and and back in the day when we started there were even rock contests you know where you can actually play in front of a, a big crowd on a big stage with awesome sound and you know just for three songs you know every week during the summer and it was this this was like a dream for us and for many other bands like that's how kind of hammerfall started and uh, and we played there twice and there are many other bands like that just because wow you could actually do that and you can get seen and you can get noticed you know um if only for a weekend but still you know it was um it was kind of encouraged to be in a band and to to kind of do something with 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 it and uh, it was a hugely popular thing in the like late 80s early 90s and uh and, and so many bands that i know were part of that and uh so that definitely helped was that the kind of thing like it was a uh something you had to get picked for or a contest or was it kind of like an open no. mic style thing where you just show up and yeah 
Now you have to kind of uh, apply for it, but yeah. you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to send in a submission or anything like that. You just chosen, and there were hundreds of bands every year. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Like I went to all of them just to see cool music, and you know, sometimes there was some metal, sometimes there was just you know some something else. But it was incredibly cool to 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 see, and I think it really really kind of charged the 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 scene and the music scene in in Gothenburg for uh, at least for for those ten years or something like that when it was going. A couple of things you mentioned earlier. One was that you know you've got a lot of projects you're working on, and then you just mentioned Hammerfall. Have you ever considered? doing anything similar to like a full power metal style record as a throwback to what you did with Hammerfall? No, no. <laughs> I, I mean, that that old school power metal or like traditional heavy metal has never really been my thing at all. So so when Hammerfall was, when we did that, that was just for fun. Or at least from my side, it was just for fun. For Oscar, Don Jackie was uh, deadly serious. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but for me, it was just like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's put, put on the leather pants and just go nuts you know this is awesome but uh, and it was so much fun but for me I, I could never do that like that's not my that's not my scene <laughs> well what are your like what else are you is there anything else that you can talk about that you are working on yeah no no not really but oh, there, there's one that we're doing like a super old school death metal project with a, a, a couple of friends um, and uh, it's called Grand Cadaver and we're we have a, like an EP coming out in it's fucking. It's probably like February or something like that. But we have a single coming out in November already, and it's just like pure, simple, like it was in the early '90s in Stockholm and Gothenburg, and and it's super fun just to kind of write something really fast, record it over a weekend, just like we did back then. You know, when we recorded a demo or, or something like that, and just like no, not a lot of preparation, not a lot of like thinking about it. Just like this is what we want to do. Go for it. You know, and you take all that. Um, you know all the experience you have over the years and and you do it kind of again you know in in that way it's it was fantastic and the drummer is uh, uh from catatonia and the guitar player is from tiamat and um bass player from um uh, intoxicate and then um and uh guitar player from nova rupta so it's just like a super bunch of great guys and us doing old school death metal fucking amazing yeah. Great, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time for me today. Cool, man. Thank you very much. There you go, Michael from Dark Tranquility. A huge thank you to Tim of Adam Splitter PR. And of course, a massive thank you to Michael for taking some time out there to talk to us about the brand new album Moment from Dark Tranquility, as well as some other great stuff. And speaking of that, on our YouTube channel, at The Thunder Underground, we did a review on Moment the week before it came out. Most of our reviews on there are we just listen to it once and then talk about it. I'm sure if we did a review now, it'd be a little different because I've listened to this album several times. But regardless, check that one out on our YouTube channel. And something else I wanted to mention is that we asked that, I asked that question in there that our buddy Luke Nagel had brought up about Depeche Mode. And... It's just funny because, you know, we've heard Dark Tranquility for going on 20 years like we talked about earlier. And it, even though it's just kind of obvious after he said that, but it never hit me until he said that. Right. That that's a, an amazing comparison. Yeah. It's like Depeche Mode mixed with like heavy ass music, you know. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's kind of cool that, you know, Michael agreed and that's one of the, one of his bands. So 
it makes it even more obvious, I guess. But once again, check out Moment if you have not yet. It's fantastic. And speaking of our YouTube channel, subscribe to it at the Thunder Underground. We've got other reviews from the new what did we do recently? The new Hate Breed album, the new Napalm Death album a couple months ago, the new Metallica Blu-ray a couple months ago, the new Alterbridge GP. I know there's a few other things in there I'm forgetting recently, but subscribe so you don't miss any of that. Most of the stuff on there is different from our podcast, but if you're a first-time listener, we've got 300-plus episodes now you can check out. We recently had on Paige Hamilton of Helmet, Michael Spritzer of Devil Driver. Going back, we had on members of Guns N' Roses, Crowbar, Def Leppard, Megadeth, Testament. John Karabi. Yeah, just yeah, just last week. Shit. One of my favorite singers, John Krabi. Another one of my favorite singers, Glenn Hughes. Can't say John Bush or Chris Cornell, but maybe one day we'll get one of those. If we get the other one, that means that we're doing a podcast from the afterlife, and that's probably not a good time. Right. I mean, at least for I don't know. us here, it could be. It could be. <laughs> I guess if I'm talking Chris know. Cornell, it is a good time. You never know. <laughs> right. But yeah, all of our podcasts are pretty much anywhere podcasts are heard. So wherever you listen, subscribe or follow so you don't miss any of them. You can also listen off our website at thethunderunderground.com. You can also buy merch there. You can also hit us up on any of our socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Follow us there as well. You can email us, thethunderunderground at gmail.com. It's not hard to reach us, basically. In whatever form or fashion you see or deem fit. So, all right. Like I mentioned earlier, coming up, we've got Kristen Mikado of Il Nino, Wayne Lozanak of Hatebreed, Frederick Lecklerk of Creator, formerly of Dragon Force, Matthew Nelson of Nelson, Reb Beach of Winger, and White Snake, and a few others. So, be looking out for all those. And once again, a huge thank you. To Tim from Madam Splitter PR, Hell Hot Hot Sauce, Med Farm, Sunset Tattoo, and DEB Concerts. And until next time. As a big uh, podcast fan, I hate when, uh, <laughs> when there's a bad sound quality. It's like, oh, fuck. Thunder Underground, y'all.